Hello, my name is Nicholas Ward and this is Historical Hysteria, the only podcast where I no longer sound like I'm dying, thank God, um, and also answers questions that no one really cares about. Uh, today we are hot on the trail of America's most famous woman. Arguably most famous woman. No, not Kim Kardashian, but Rosie the Riveter. Rosie the Riveter is famous as an American icon of feminism and American exceptionalism. Most well known for the J. Howard Miller poster of her rolling up her work overall sleeves with the words in bold, we can do it, emblazoned underneath, red bandana tightly around her eyes, staring out, just daring you to mess with her. Her image is as iconic to America as the Lord Kitchener poster, We Need You. And the American ripoff of the Lord Kitchener poster of Uncle Sam saying, We also need you. It has become an icon. It has been featured on magazines, stamps, political ads, and is one of the most widely requested and reproduced images in history. So, who was this fierce woman that so embodied the American spirit during World War II? One Geraldine Doyle claimed she had been the subject of a photo that inspired Miller's poster, and for many years it has been assumed that Geraldine Doyle was Rosie the Riveter. But in 2015, Professor James Kimball of Seton Hall University tracked down the original photo and found it was credited not to Miss Doyle, but to one Naomi Fraley. Over 2015 and 2016, magazines, newspapers, and the internet overall reported excitedly on Naomi. The photo was snapped of her at the Alameda Naval Air Station, and had been wrongly credited to Geraldine Doyle for all of those decades. Fraley would do a number of photo shoots in the bandana and blue-collar uniform before her death in 2018. So Fraley was the real Rosie the Riveter. Case closed. Well... There's just one problem with that. The We Can Do It poster wasn't Rosie the Riveter. Despite how famous the poster is today, it was unknown during the war. It was made by J. Howard Miller for internal use at Westinghouse factories. It was only displayed for two weeks in February 1943 in a small handful of Westinghouse factories, which produced helmets and then it was shuffled off to a dusty archive room. But if that's not Rosie the Riveter, then who is? Well, Rosie the Riveter was a character in a song by Kai Kaiser, written by Red Evans and John Loeb. The song celebrates Rosie as a, as, as a stand-in for the women who were taking on men's jobs in the war effort. Side myth, it is often said women entered the workforce for the first time in World War I and World War II, Women never left the workforce and held jobs ranging from typists to factory workers for all of the industrial period. What the war did, however, was break down the barrier of men and women's jobs. Women's jobs were generally relegated to unskilled work. Men's jobs were generally better paid because of that. Who the Rosie in the song was has never been clear, but the song was a huge hit and Rosie became the stand-in for the 4.1 million American women who entered traditionally male jobs for the war effort. The first iconic image of Rosie was by Norman Rockwell for the Saturday Evening Post. It depicted her as a colossus of a woman in a blue work in blue work clothes, her eponymous riveting gun held on her lap with a lunch pail bearing the name Rosie, and a copy of Mein Kampf on the ground under her penny loafer heels. She was based off Michelangelo's The, Prof the Prophet Isaiah, 
and the image was so popular it was loaned to the Treasury Department for the rest of the war for war bond drives. Mary Louise, and fortunately we know exactly who this Rosie the Riveter was. It was Mary Louise Doyle, a 19-year-old telephone operator in Vermont. But she was not the only Rosie the Riveter of the war. The most famous, arguably the most famous real Rosie of the war was probably Jan Frazee, who starred as Rosie the Riveter in Rosie the Riveter, a 1944 film by, the Rep by Republic Pictures about, you guessed it, Rosie the Riveter. After the war, Rosie's fame would wane for decades. Though the story was kept up in school textbooks and documentaries, Norman Rockwell's iconic painting would slowly be largely forgotten in the public eye, in part because he and his family fiercely protected the copyright on his work and prevented reproduction of it. So how did We Can Do It become associated with Rosie? We Can Do It sat in a dusty corner of the National Archive until 1982 when Washington Post magazine picked it up and reproduced it for an article on wartime propaganda. The poster was a huge hit, especially with feminists, and it became one of the defining images of the late 80s protest movements. But the image was inspiring, and over the years the untitled working woman became conflated with Rosie the Riveter. Unlike Norman Rockwell's painting, there was no one preventing this painting's use publicly, and it was plastered everywhere from protest signs to bus stop billboards. So the real Rosie was Mary Louise Doyle on paper, and Jan Frazee on the silver screen, while the We Can Do It woman is Naomi Fraley. So is that case closed? Well, except there's just one tiny problem with that end of the story, because there's no evidence Jay Miller based the We Can Do It poster off the photograph of Fraley. The original photograph of Fraley doesn't look anything like the We Can Do It poster. It isn't of a woman rolling up her sleeve, but rather a young woman's side onto the camera leaning over a lathe. And more importantly, there is zero, let me just repeat that, zero evidence Miller based his poster off this photo, other than that the photo appeared in the press before Miller made his poster, which isn't anything. Unfortunately, Jay Miller died in 1985 before his poster gained the worldwide fame it today enjoys, and not much is known about the man. Though one friend did say of the model controversy that Miller never worked off photographs. So there is no evidence for who the We Can Do It woman is, and neither Fraley nor Doyle have any evidence that they inspired the poster of quotations Rose the Riveter, the We Can Do It woman. So the real identity of the We Can Do It woman will likely remain forever a mystery. And that is all we have time for today. Thank you for joining me. His feedback can be sent to historicalhysteria at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out the socials, r slash historicalhysteria on Reddit and at Manic History on Twitter. But before I leave, let me leave you with this. Compounding errors because of faulty citations is also known as the woozle effect or circular reporting. The term woozle comes from a Winnie the Pooh story where Pooh and Piglet hunt a woozle following their own tracks in the snow around and around in circles. Sources for today were the National Archives, Smithsonian Museum, the Norman Rockwell Museum, and a number of newspapers and magazines who I am not going to name, but should be ashamed of their fact-checking abilities for a lot of reasons, including some fairly major ones. You know who you are. Anyway, bye.